Lockdown is officially over for the NBA. It becomes the last major world sport to make its return during the coronavirus pandemic. And for one, I'm just happy that the Raptors are still technically reigning champions. To discuss the restart of the NBA, we have our good friend, our good co-host, and now medical expert, as you heard him in the last two podcasts, Varel. Varel, welcome to the show. Once again, it's been too long. Oh man, Camille, it has been a very, very long time. And although we've been fairly busy, we've kept fairly active during this intermediate period. Of course, you know, even me and Camille, we were stretching for ideas. We were trying to think of creative ways to fill this uh, this middle period. And to be honest, it was a struggle for us not being able to watch basketball regularly. I mean, we kind of kept ourselves busy with. Uh, you know, doing the hot mic stuff, which we were, um, which of course we've like shouted out on this uh, podcast as well. But like, just to give a little bit more info again, when the season restarts on the 31st, for sure, during that whole period, we're going to be on the app, like non-stop, I imagine, Kamel, maybe like once, twice a week. So, so just to explain, so yeah, shout out, Homai, just to explain to listeners, that means while you watch your favourite games on screen, you don't have have to listen to the likes of Jeff Van Gundy or Matty D. You can actually listen to us commentate live with your stream or your or if you're watching on TV. So it's kind of a good bonus. You'll get that. It's all for free. You sign up at Hot Mike. If you check our Twitter account, Balling in the Six, uh, you get the full link and the full details. Uh, our code is Balling Seven Five Four for a free sign up. And as we said, you can follow us and listen to us for all your favourite NBA games. And uh, going past the plug to actually just get into the meat of the episode, the first topic that we were actually going to discuss was the Raptors' chances. Of course, this is a Raptors-centred podcast. And um, one thing that immediately stood out to me, Kamel, was that the Raptors were one of the teams that did see a significant jump uh, from what their previous uh, schedule was uh, pre-lockdown, pre-all of this crisis to post-crisis. Now, they have been ranked as having the hardest schedule of the remaining uh, 22 teams. And uh, I mean, if, if you just take a look at some of the teams uh, that the Raptors have got coming up. So we've got the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, the 76ers and the Nuggets. And for me, I'd say the only two iffy teams, and it's even harsh to call them iffy teams, are the Grizzlies and the Magic. And it's to say that these two teams aren't actual title contenders. But, I mean, the rest of those teams are a very, very scary sight. And uh, it doesn't lead me to have a lot of optimism, Kamel. Well, I've got I've got three points in reply. Firstly, the Raptors are second for a reason in the East. They had an elite record. And in fact, just before and throughout the All-Star break, we all remember the 17-game winning streak. That was against a whole mix of teams, tough and easy. I guess secondly then, it comes back to the old adage. We all want an easy schedule for some reason towards the finals. But eventually, you're going to have to beat these teams. The Raptors are going to have to face the likes of the Celtics, the likes of the Bucks, and Philly once again in the playoff over a potential seven-game series. If you can't beat them now, if you're scared of facing them down now, you know, you may as well not try for the title. You've got to beat these teams. And it's a great chance, in fact, to lay down a marker. 
obviously teams are going to come out different after lockdown and we'll discuss that a bit later but I wouldn't be worried about too hard a schedule you have to remember the Raptors do have uh, a slight cushion over the third and fourth seed in fact the Raptors yeah the Raptors will be looking to hunt down the Bucks rather than maintain their position Uh, and I see no problems with having a tough schedule especially as after three is it it's four months out now four and a half months out of competitive basketball now it's a chance for the Raptors to really get back in gears with games that are competitive but aren't doesn't don't matter as much as playoff games that's actually an amazing point and um if we just look at it I mean the Raptors like you said we've got that cushion over the Celtics who although they have a a considerably easier remaining schedule having a three uh, game cushion over them considering there's only eight teams left that requires of course a three game swing and within eight games I mean the chance of that happening despite again the Raptors schedule I mean it, it's pretty slim and even if we were to for example if we were to fall down to the third seed our first round matchup actually would then be considerably harder we'd be getting either one of the paces or the 76ers so in all fairness it is actually quite crucial to secure that second seed of course we want to be playing against either the nets or the magic and of course this is an, a nets team that is completely depleted without uh, Kyrie there without um, kevin durant there as well so it's imperative that we do secure that second seed but you know what i kind of am trending to your point of view we are the second seed for a reason if we truly have title aspirations as well we should with a three-game cushion we should literally secure that uh, second seed spot no of course um and you just actually with this whole team with this whole season you only need to look back to the start when Kawhi uh, decided not to re-sign and everyone was thinking maybe the raptors can challenge for eighth seed this season but yeah. this team has always at least in 2019-20 has always over, over outperformed expectations come back when no one could think they would have a chance really of returning to the four remember that Dallas comeback remember that of course I mentioned the 17 game win streak um so you know you, you can never actually be surprised with this team this team will always seem to step up their level when it matters because they got the crazy the crazy genius in charge of course and um interesting actually um a point you made with the nets are a target now interestingly enough when initially the nba was suspended people were actually worried when the initial matchup showed i think the the nets are the nets in seventh seed is that correct yes yeah so initially obviously if the season ended there and went straight to playoffs the raptors would have to play the nets and some people thought mm-hmm. that duran and Kyrie would be fit and of course rested and raring to go um so it was a worry yes. initially uh but thankfully that's been alleviated and there is no real there's no playing games in previous seasons teams especially in the east have sort of played games to try and uh, face different teams in the first round but i think this time it's just win as many games as you can go for the high seed possible which is the way it should be really 100% and the nets um they are so utterly depleted at the moment they kind of only have Karis LeVert as their only respectable player I would argue so in my in my honest opinion the nets actually the weakest squad out of all 22 teams going into this period so um, sorry including the magic yeah yeah 100% no because the, the nets have not only not got their best two stars I believe Deandre Jordan um He's, he's not going to be there. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, ha- was having some injury issues, if I'm right in saying that. 
All I do know is uh, I'm pretty sure Karis LeBert is really going to be their only, again, respectable player. So, yeah, I, I would have them bottom for that reason. We know the Magic. They're a young team. They're energetic. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved up to that seventh seed. Yeah, well, of course, just on the Magic, we did, of course, uh, and of course, we're going to discuss predictions and playoff predictions later, but we did see them last year. And everyone, of course, underestimated them, including Nick Nurse underestimated them in that fateful game one. Um, great. So, so any chance, in your opinion, of the Raptors going all the way? Have they got the necessary strength, despite the lack of an obvious superstar? You know, we're not going to call Pascal a superstar just yet, of course, maybe a season or two. But have they got the necessary strength to not only come out of the East, but perhaps you know, beat the Lakers over seven games. Now, this, this, what I'm about to say is, uh, I wouldn't say it's controversial, but it's possibly an interesting take and it's something that uh, will hold true later in the episode as well. But I think the biggest strength that the Raptors have in this Corona period is the fact that they rely on strength and depth and they don't rely on any single one player. And, as we know, if any of the contending teams, if they were, if any of their players were to contract coronavirus, they're basically automatically going to be out for two weeks. And so, the argument I would make is that if we were under normal circumstances, I don't think it's quite the Raptors' time. It basically is their last chance to actually win a title. Would of course a lot of aging players like you know uh, Lowry, Gasol, but there's also you know that young. Core, I would make the argument as well. You've got Siakam, you've got um, Van Vliet who's on the younger side. Basically, uh, in a long-winded way, uh, say if the Raptors were to match up in, with the Bucks, for example, in the conference finals, if Yanis were to get the virus, which hopefully, of course, he wouldn't, I would, of course, in that situation, say the Raptors are heavy, heavy favourites. Uh, when you lose the centrepiece of your team, I, I mean... Uh, as the Bucks, like what are you to do? Is he going to be likely the second two-time MVP, Giannis? So I mean, I would say they've got a slim chance, and that would be based on superstar players of the opposing teams potentially picking up coronavirus, and specifically with the Bucks. Of course, Bledsoe has had it. He's come back. Pat Connaughton has had it, and he's uh, come back with coronavirus. So this is potentially a team that's already been plagued by the virus. And uh, again, hopefully, it doesn't uh, happen uh, to more players for the team, but it could continue. So you're saying that the Raptors can only win a championship if, I guess, firstly, um, maybe Jason Tatum, Giannis, and LeBron maybe all come down with with Miss Rona. Um, I would include Kawhi Leonard in there, Paul George. Yeah. (laughs) Right, so just everyone needs to fall victim to the pandemic for Toronto Uh, to repeat. That's not what I would hope to happen, but I think it's genuinely their their only chance of winning a title. Well, they say Nick Nurse uses unorthodox tactics, but I'm not sure if sort of biological warfare is in his uh, is in his playbook. But, what do you um, think but reversing the question to you, what yeah, do you no, that's fine. I mean, obviously, obviously I've um, been very positive so far, but it's um, I, I think I think this year I've, all, I've always said, well, at least since New Year, I've said the, the Eastern Conference fi- Finals is the limit, and I think it's because we're going to come up against a much stronger Buck side, who last year the Raptors only managed to beat 
One through, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard, of course, basically ripping game three and game four, like single-handedly out of their hands. Yeah. And uh, secondly, it was the likes of Van Vliet having, you know, once once in a generation sort of games, obviously game five, hitting seven threes in Milwaukee, that sort of thing. Um, so, so I think, but definitely the Bucks last year, we were they should almost they, nine times out of ten last year they would have beaten us. And I think that's just going to be inevitable this year. It's probably ninety nine times out of hundred this year that the Bucks that Bucks take them. But I'm I'm not scared of any other team in the East except the Bucks, which is why I agree. Uh, if someone else manages to knock out them along the way, then you know there's always a chance. Because I do fancy I do fancy the Raptors against the Lakers, for example but maybe not against the Clippers. So it, it's sort of a mixed bag for me. It obviously depends on how they restart, mm, but yeah. just off the bat, based on their form finishing in March. Mm-hmm. Right, should we move on to our second point, which um, yeah. the second... Uh, going second on, you mentioned it was... Yeah, sorry, going on, you mentioned it was sort of a unique uh, season. Obviously, they'll be playing their games in Orlando, in Disneyland. Um, on courts without fans, they will be staying. They're all currently staying in uh, designated hotels. The higher the seat, the nicer the hotel, which is quite a nice touch actually from the NBA. Um, they'll try to make it as homey as possible. I think the home stadium's PA is allowed to uh, commentate and uh, you know play this DJ, the sound effects whenever the team is meant to be, is intended to be at home. So they'll try, but. It will obviously be quite a weird atmosphere. And the first question I wanted to ask is, which team will struggle most without their crowd? There's a few contenders here. Yeah, I would say it's not about the teams that will struggle most without that crowd. I actually think the biggest factor for two certain teams, this is something we've mentioned in previous podcast episodes, is actually the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. And why did we bring them up before? Well. We've talked about how their home stadiums, their home cities have high altitudes and they're two of the teams with the biggest discrepancies when it comes to their home and away records. And it's not just a combination, of, of course, of like a rancorous crowd, but it's also due to the fact that simply they are used to playing at those high altitudes. They, their body's circulatory systems are adapted and hence they have physical advantages over their opponents. and. When you go down to Orlando, Florida, I believe that's basically close to sea level uh, where, they'll, where they'll be playing. They'll no longer have this large advantage. So I would, again, I would hope that this doesn't, doesn't happen because they are two of my favourite teams. But I do expect both of those teams to actually see uh, maybe a partial dip in form. In terms of the uh, advantage of home court uh, or not having home court, um, that's something I'm. I haven't really thought too much about, and I'd actually rather get your take on that, Kamel. No, that's fair. I mean, that's a really interesting point, altitude-wise. And uh, if you do listen, actually, I think it's our podcast on March 14th. I think it was the day after the NBA got suspended. We did say that Denver would struggle the most uh, in a more neutral sort of uh, atmosphere, and um, I think it will be proven to be completely right because. Even with, you know, they seem to have now Bol Bol in addition to Jokic. And we'll talk about them sort of players later because that's sort of a crazy lineup right there. Yeah. They, they will struggle because in you forget, right, in a seven-game series, 
they're usually a pretty high seed, so they usually have home court advantage. So they'll play four games in Denver. Yeah. And it's just such a challenge for someone to take one game. But now it's pretty much even, even, even court for everyone. So yeah, it's an interesting point in terms of actual crowd noise itself. Um, I feel it's sort of every every sort of team tries to sort of hype up their own fans as oh you know the the you know, we're the loudest with with a the sixth man I guess on the court yeah. with the top man in football. Um, I think OKC and OKC, Boston, and Toronto will probably struggle the most without their crowds. In terms of, they will be without the benefits. They benefit most from, I guess, the noise, especially in during a comeback. Um, that's just based on both personal experience and uh, random decibel research. Um, but of course, every, you know, there's. I don't think there's uh, um, a, a stadium or a crowd which doesn't get extremely hyped and and motivates the players. Uh, when they're making a run, when they're on a run or a comeback or in the playoffs, yes, yeah, it's, it's all sort of different out there. So, um, yeah, well, I, think, I think you're right. The impact will be more on the teams that are used to playing in a different altitude or something like that, rather than the crowd noise itself. This is an interesting statistic, Kamel, because I'm I know we shouldn't look at this season in isolation, but for me, teams that. I've, I guess have generated that sort of atmosphere for me. The ones I would include are Golden State, of course, San Antonio, they've always had a fortress at home. The Miami Heat, I would argue, they've always had really, a really passionate fan base. And this is a really interesting statistic, Mel. This is the one team that seems like the most bizarre anomaly that I've ever seen. Now, the 76ers this year, Mel, they have a record of 39 and 26. They have played 31 games at home. And I want you to guess, Kamel, how many of those games have they've lost? Two. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's astounding. Like, two at home. I can't, actually, I completely forgot their home record. Well, what do you think that's down to? Like, is that is that just a... That, that surely can't be just down to the crowd, can it? Do you, know what, that, do you know what that tells me? Well, I think oh. that's a confidence. I think this, the thing that this team struggles with most, and potentially their mental weakness or his fragility, is it kind of exposes the players faster because it's really only Jimmy Butler who was turning up for that team. And Joel Embiid had games he struggled, of course, Ben Simmons had games he struggled. Tobias Harris, I would argue, was just busy with himself in the playoffs. I would say that home and away record discrepancy, I would say it's really down to that team not believing in itself when, for example, that the crowd isn't on their side. And I think maybe a neutral location, I don't know, would it benefit them? Would it be something that, that actually helps them? Because it means that they don't have to play away games in, let's say, a rather hostile atmosphere. Maybe they can't really handle that kind of pressure. So, I don't know, may, who knows whether it'll actually benefit them or actually um, hinder them. I, I can't really tell at this point. No, it's true. Well, obviously, it could end up just being a massive balancing act and they could end up regressing to the mean in a neutral um, ground, regressing to that 39-26 mean, mean. Because, you know, players like Embiid obviously absolutely feed off uh, home courts, but Definitely. You know, maybe a player like Ben Simmons uh, prefers to do his business away from home, you know? Uh, more of a uh, in inward, more of a player who uh, likes to, you know, get up at opposition crowds. But um, it's I, I mainly have this conversation just because 
when football returned, obviously, it began with more and more away teams winning. And while, while it was a small sample size, there was a definite, there has been a definite increase in away team success. Um, obviously, basketball is different, neutral ground. But it's, it's why I sort of asked the question about sort of neutral, neutral, um, crowd, neutral grounds and the effect of crowds and things. One yeah. of the things I wanted to ask is um, Terence Ross said yesterday that shooters are going to become a lot more hot in Orlando. That's not not just obviously because of the weather or the sort of stadiums, but it's because they when they see the glass, when they see the rim, there's stillness behind it. There's not necessarily a moving crowd. There's not any sort of flashing lights or anything. Yeah. It's just the rim. And it's like, you know, are they going to shoot? Are we going to see a lot more three-point uh, shooters having a lot of success? Are we going to see maybe people shooting 50% from three, teams shooting 50% from three very regularly? What do you think? Do you think it will have an effect or do you think teams will change their style to shoot more threes? Uh, are we going to have a shooter's, a shooter's uh, playoff? Or is more yeah. Great question, Mel. Um, firstly, I would say it may not be three-point shooting for me that would be effective the most. I, I would could imagine the free throw line is something that could see a significant increase because with free throws, I think we know about how much opposing fans try to distract players, whether in uh, Golden State, for example, they're always hitting those really, um, I don't know, long plastic tubes together trying to distract the opposition. And because at the free throw line, there's like a relative calm and stillness. To have all these extra distractions, I imagine, uh, would definitely hinder uh, any player. So maybe we would see the most significant increase uh, when it comes to free throw shooting. But in terms of the three-point shooting, I mean, again, this is only one game and one player. But we saw the other night, Seth Curry, he was 7-7. Seven or sorry, he was actually eight of eight shooting, uh, twenty-three points against the Lakers, and there he looks so utterly calm when just shooting from the three-point line. And I think, yeah, it could definitely um, lead to what Terence Ross has described. Um, I mean, these are still professionals; these are guys who aren't supposed to get ruffled by you know crowd intimidation. But of course, everyone is human, and. Um, only time can tell. Though. I think we have to wait to see for ourselves whether that uh, Terence Ross's statement uh, holds true. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair enough. Um, out of interest, what have you thought of the scrimmages so far? You mentioned Seth Curry's performance. Uh, we haven't seen the likes of the Raptors actually play in a scrimmage yet. But what what have you made of other teams? Uh, LeBron obviously put in. Uh, LeBron and Doncic have both put in stellar performances. Uh, do they yeah. matter much? Are they sort of just glorified summer league games and and have you noticed any particular performances that maybe listeners should keep an eye on um mate I mean definitely a step up in terms of intensity that Lakers Mavericks game felt like a playoff game to me. that was really high intensity I know those guys LeBron and Indy after they were 11 points up after the first half they took a bit of a break if it was a playoff game they wouldn't have done so but um you know what Considering we've had three months of nothing, I think even the players are desperate to get out there and show how they've improved during this, uh, you know, this four-month break. So um, it didn't seem to me, for example, Kamel, that players were easing themselves into it. They were 
playing at a very good tempo and I think these games could actually reveal a lot. For example, the bots, um, they put on an excellent in that opening game as well. So, what do you think? Uh, I haven't managed to catch any of the scrimmages yet. Just see, just see some of the stats, individual performances. Seth Curry, of course, going off. Uh, is what, what sort of prompted the question, as well as Terence Ross's quote, in terms of, are we going to see um, shooters really succeed? in yeah. this uh what's after the season and the postseason. Um but no you're right. It's been actually surprising how well they seem to have come back into it. Um of course time is t- only time will tell whether we'll actually see that in the regular season. But I think it'll be uh it seems they've actually really kept in shape. There's been a, a lot of disruptions and um we of course we're a we're a British based podcast. We haven't we've seen very different disruptions here than to the US. So it's yeah. almost players different states you know different states different rulings sort of working through that um but of course i think that as soon as we first up is of course lakers clippers and i think when tip-off goes they won't care that there's no fans they won't care that and we'll discuss whether there's an asterisk next to next to whoever wins the title this year but they won't care. I think they'll just go hard because they've been working through pretty much now for four months. And most importantly, they're resting, which is such yeah. a crucial thing. There's been, of course, no Olympics, no FIBA, none of that. So they've been almost given a recharging for the last three months going into the playoffs. And you look at playoff fatigue in previous seasons, which several teams have suffered from, is what's the reason for load management, etc. Mm. It's not a problem anymore, really. Yeah. Conditioning seems to be there. And yeah, on that note, we can move on to our last segment, which is our playoff, and I guess not just playoff predictions, but regular season predictions. Right, yeah. So, um, firstly, let's let's discuss whoever wins this title, will it be a legitimate title? Can we talk about it in the future as just a regular title that happened to be during a pandemic or is whoever wins this year pretty much half as only half as deserving or undeserving of a title of a ring that goes to I guess every other player yes again I'm gonna this episode is gonna be full of um, maybe non-mainstream opinion for me you know we, we attempt to be edgy on this podcast and um, I think potentially this season may even be even more of a valid valid season than a, a normal season say for example last year and what why the hell do i say this given the disruption that we've had because firstly the nba i look at shorter seasons for example one of which i think 99 season spurs one a lot of fans don't make the argument that the spurs for example weren't deserving of that title they still won through in the playoffs like the playoffs didn't change at all it was, it was only the regular season that was shortened like that shouldn't the regular the playoffs are the only thing that really matter uh, in the NBA so that's number one so I think just by having a couple of uh, a few fewer games isn't really going to make a big difference like the playoffs are still going to be the playoffs number two if you look at the injury list Kamel it's actually phenomenally short in terms of, uh, you know, a, a big factor, for example, of the Raptors' success last year, uh, many people would argue, I, I would make the same argument, is that 
the Warriors had uh, three or four major injuries during that series. And if you actually look at the current injury list, Kamel, uh, of all 22 teams, it's remarkably short. Like you've only got maybe one or two players on each team that may be out for uh, either the foreseeable future or until the end of the playoffs. And um, so teams are actually, interestingly, a lot, lot healthier than they would be in this position than uh, if it was a regular season. And we'll have to see if this continues into the playoffs as well. For example, given that players have been out for four months, maybe we'll start, we'll see a higher injury rate as their bodies aren't fully warmed up. But um, what this could mean actually is that all the playoff series that we do see, we have actually much healthier teams than we would normally see, which is quite bizarre to say and um, what I think wh- whether it is a asterisk season or not depends on how many players we lose to the coronavirus and whether for example our whole series hinges on um, say a Kawhi Leonard a player of that calibre say missing out on a series due to uh, contracting the virus and hence you then as a fan ask yourself the question oh for example if it was the Lakers versus the Clippers did the Lakers really beat the Clippers? Again, even then, I would make the counter-argument that injuries happen, and the virus should be seen as that, in my opinion. It's just another injury. So exactly, uh, that's Is my that opinion. So, do you have anything to add, or do you disagree? Or agree, Kamal? No, I was saying, is there a really a difference between maybe Kawhi going down with coronavirus uh, in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, and you know Kevin Love and Kyrie being out for the entirety of the 2015 Finals, for example? Right. It's it's it's. Uh, I know it's maybe a bit insensitive to talk about it, but it's like an injury. It's equivalent in terms of you you having time out to recover, and you know it happens. It happens. The NBA has taken, of course, all precautions uh, in order to do it in order to uh, minimize the risk of contracting it yeah. uh, but it's 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 like an injury we have to treat it like an injury and you know unless a whole team goes down with it exactly exactly the reason why it should be with an ast- there should be there should be an asterisk next to it i think the only reason there would be uh, is 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 as if you said there there is significant contraction throughout the nba there's significant exactly. risk and and uh, infections but I don't think that's actually that's not going to happen if they're all fully, fully quarantined in, in several hotels in Disneyland. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we can almost swiftly move on from this conversation, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, this is a legitimate title. I'm not just saying that because I'm hoping and I'm betting that the Raptors win it. Whoever wins it, it's a legitimate title, except, of course, if it's Boston. Then we can sort of have another discussion around that. But, um, right. Boston, who do we think, firstly, is going to make the playoffs? Make the playoffs. Well, uh, in the East, it's quite easy, isn't it? You're only choosing between who's the um, who's the eighth and ninth seed. It's the Wizards and the Magic. Yeah. So, uh, Wizards, firstly, well, before we actually get into the discussion, Kamel, I think we, uh, just to explain the structure to those of you who don't know it. So, if the ninth seed in either conference is within four games of the eighth seed of their respective conferences, then those two seeds will play a play-in series. Now, that's quite kind of simple in the Eastern Conference. The Wizards just need to make it within four games of um, the Magic. However, it becomes more complicated, of course, in the Western Conference. 
Um, because, you know, even at the moment, you've got multiple teams within four games. And in that conference, it's whoever finishes as a ninth seed will pay the pay-in. So even if, say, the 10th seed were to be within like two or three games, then um, it would still be the ninth seed versus the eighth seed. That's just to give an explanation of the soft amount. Right, that's fair. Well, we, I think then we can safely say in the Eastern Conference, the Magic are far, fetter, far, far stronger than the Wizards. And uh, is, is John, Wall, John Wall is still still out? Yeah, yeah. I think Bradley Beal's out, pretty sure. Bradley, oh, well, okay, well, there's absolutely no chance then. Wizards are pretty much an easy dub for every team that faces them. Um, might come back to bite me, but... No, no, Wizards I, haven't got a chance, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we can the top eight, the current top eight in the East. Yeah. Uh, the West, the West is a more difficult one. Um, I think Portland have a very strong chance of breaking into that playoff mould. Um, just because they've got two of their key big men returning in Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins. And yesterday, it was one of the scrimmages I caught the highlights of. They looked fantastic. And they really looked back to their playoff self last year of course they got to the western conference finals led golden state for more minutes than they trailed actually even though they got swept but i think i think they're in a very strong position i think that they'll definitely experience a significant uptick in form whether it's quite enough who knows but i know dame will get some help for sure so i think portland will definitely edge the eight seed yeah, and on that note, Camille, um, this has been quite a long episode. So, although there, we just did, I agree with you about your prediction, and we talked about who we think will make the playoff. Potentially, what we're going to do is to actually save the discussion about our predictions to the eve of uh, the season restarting, because of course the season does restart on the thirty-first. So, we will look to put out an episode maybe on the 29th or the 30th given our prediction because of course we don't really want to rush things too much it might take a while and I don't think many people would want to listen to um, over an hour episode now Camille so that's fair that's fair one thing I do want to hear from you yeah your Western Conference your top 8 my top 8 so okay. I guess Let's that finishing I would have to say the Grizzlies I'm almost certain will finish number eight but in terms of who finishes number nine I, w- I would have had the Pelicans finishing number nine and that's because the uh, Trailblazers actually have one of the hardest schedules and um, the Pelicans have a well the easiest schedule uh, remaining um, however because Zion we have no idea why he left the bubble um, it depends on uh, how long he is going to have to sit out because apparently it's completely up to the uh, NBA Kamel and they may only choose to have him sit out for four games if it wasn't a family medical emergency but they've also said that they would maybe lengthen that period of time if um, if it wasn't for a legitimate reason so we have to see when Zion comes back indeed if he comes back um, and so on that note if the Pelicans were to make the playoffs, if they're against the Grizzlies, I would honestly have the Pelicans over the Grizzlies. Just because I think the Pelicans have got a little bit more depth, really. You're, you're completely right on Yar Moran and Jaron Jackson as the Grizzlies. Now, if either one of those, again, gets the virus, I think uh, that's going to be a big problem. So I would take the Pelicans over the Grizzlies. 
that's fair. That's fair. And um, of course, Zion only came back in February. Um, seems like a very long time ago now. Um, but did he come back in February or March? Uh, I believe it's the end of February. Yeah, so he only came out at the end of February. We still haven't seen the best of him. And yeah, he'll have to sit out a few games. But he's actually going to be a powerful force. And, you know, we haven't seen the likes of... We've only seen LeBron up against him. And that was a fantastic matchup. But um, he, of course, could be a huge big game player. So let's see how that goes. So, yeah, no, I'd, I'd fully back that choice. Of course, I'm sticking with my guns, sticking with Portland, nicking the eight seed. Of course, they've got Nurkic back as well, haven't they? Or they're going to get Nurkic back. Portland, yeah. Collins yeah, is very so, as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, on that note, I think we should wrap things up. Yeah, that'll be that's the end of our preview episode number one. Preview episode number one A, of course, is gonna come as Varel said on the eve. We're gonna go through predictions. It's gonna be a hard episode. I know you guys really enjoy that at the start of the season, but of course we have to do it again because it's uh, such a different situation. Of course, we don't it's have a champion. This time last year, we had a we had a 2019 champion. So um, enjoy. The Raptors can still enjoy being the reigning champions for at least another month or so. But um, until then, we will continue bringing you basketball content, Raptors content, NBA content every single week. Uh, Also, check out our hot mic once again. I'm going to put the link and the code to download it free in the description. And make sure you tune in. We'll be streaming at least once or twice a week. Yeah. And have a good one. We're coming up to 38 minutes, but let's end it. Yes, and hopefully everyone stays safe. Peace, everyone. Of course, yeah, that's really important.